Have you ever considered buying a building? Or maybe it's time to renegotiate your lease. Well, we're going to dive in super deep today and talk about how you can get the best deal on buying a building or at least renegotiating your lease. Salon owners are some of the most amazing people on planet Earth. The only problem is sometimes their hearts are so big and they give so much of themselves to their staff and guests that it creates unintended consequences. Our goal is to change the industry by elevating the way the rest of the world sees salons, spas, and barbershops and give it the credibility that it truly deserves. This is the Salon Owner Evo Revo Show. So, I mean, look, Doug, th this comes up a lot, right? I mean, for crying out loud, I have people call all the time that uh, are trying to figure out, like, how do they negotiate their lease? Are they getting a good deal? Because for crying out loud, if you are in Austin, Texas versus Bangor, Maine or Pensacola, Florida or here in California, like, you're going to have to have a space, right? Unless, unless you're in you know, your house trying to do haircuts, which that's a whole nother topic because in California, like that's still chaos. I mean, as you know, Doug, we were just talking about this is in California, uh, salons have gone back to work and are fighting the man and said, screw it. We're going back for those that can, you know, take the risk and figure it out. They're doing that. But let's assume that we're talking about negotiating lease leases in other parts in other parts of the country or even in California. What are some of the things in this we're going to talk about today? If, if, you're, if this is an exciting topic for you, by the way, do me a favor and type in exciting. Uh, I'm not going to lie. Doug and I were like, do we really want to title something? Negotiating leases and buying buildings? Like, we're like, is that exciting? But you guys got to tell me if that's an exciting topic for you, say exciting, or you can give me a big fat thumbs down. But either way, that's what we're talking about today because I think it's a real fact of doing business. So good morning, Doug. Good to see you, man. Hey, how's it going? Yeah, I mean, I think this is one of those ones where uh, sometimes people don't think it through and they just go ahead and sign a lease or they... They you know, don't look at the option of buying or can right. they don't believe, well, I don't know if I can. Uh, so I just want to open up that possibility today to get people to start seeing, especially in, in the current market, in the current situation that we're in, uh, two really great things that are going on. Uh, one, there's low pressure on commercial brick and mortar space yep. because a lot of people are deciding they don't need it. Well, salons still need it. So yep. low pressure means you're going to be able to negotiate a better deal. And then the other side is you know, money is so cheap right now. You know, we're working a deal right now where we're getting 2.89%. So, I mean, that, that's so that, crazy. That's easy money right there. It was super low down. And I think, by the way, when we say money is cheap, if this isn't, if this isn't your jam to hear this, but basically what that means is your capacity to borrow money right now is way easier than it's ever been before. So it's easier to get access to money for a lower interest rate than ever before. And, you know, we were looking at this because uh, I was telling Doug, Doug and I were chatting yesterday uh, for our office here in California, uh, where we are, office space uh, is usually really tight, inventory is super full. But look, I know even in my complex, there's four or five, six businesses in my complex that may not come back because they've, they've had to stay closed and lots of people are starting to be at home. So this topic of lease renegotiation or negotiating a new lease or buying a building is super important. Um, as most of you guys know, inside the salon, there's really three ways to make money and then a phantom force. So I want to talk about these because I think it's helpful. And by the way, I know we've got some people on here that are not even in the salon industry that still want to learn about negotiating leases and buying buildings. So thanks for hanging out with us anyway. I appreciate you guys. Um, uh, but there's three ways to make money inside a salon, right? You can work behind the chair, 
That's one. You can work and get paid as a manager or as an owner or you know manage uh, the aspects of the salon that way. And then the third type is profit from your actual salon. You get paid and compensated like a shareholder, but there is a fourth type of income. And Doug, you and I talk about this all the time. We talk about it inside the academy, is buying and owning a building is another really amazing way. Like you have to pay that rent somewhere Anyway, same for us. You know, I was just chatting with our, our guys here. We've been in the same building for renting for crying out loud. I wish we could have changed this a long time ago. It wasn't the right timing. We've been renting for well over eight years, and that's something I'd want to change. Just like if you were in a home, you wouldn't want to necessarily rent there if you can buy a building for the same price. So this all came up because we had a we have a building offer that's on the table, and we're looking at it. Hopefully that'll go through. But it's like, what? how do you know if it's time for you to buy a building? And Doug, what would you say for a salon? You know, when is it an appropriate time to buy a building versus when is an appropriate time to lease a building? What, what is that in your mind? Well, I mean, you got to look at, can you get into the deal? Uh, but so first Finan of all, you gotta, financially, right? Yeah. Yeah. So can, can you get into the deal? Do you have enough money to be able to get into? So there's a lot of different options. I mean, you could do a, um, a, a owner finance. You know, there's a lot of people that have own a good bit of inventory and decide at this point that they don't own or finance. They'll make the interest. And so the bank making the interest. Uh, usually on those deals, you can negotiate a little bit better uh, in price. Your interest or your interest is going to be a little bit higher. But if yeah. it gets you into a building, and there's a lot of different ways to to craft the deal. Thing is, look, make sure you're always looking, having that relationship with a uh, real estate agent that knows what you're looking for, right. uh, and just being aware of what it is. Because long term, the advantages of owning are, are exponentially greater. Um, I mean, but it's got to make sense. I mean, if you're in a real tight right. market and it's super expensive and it's it, it you know, if if what you're paying in rent something on cash flow a building, then, you know, you probably right. should so, buy. So let's let's talk about some basics. First and foremost, if you're starting a brand new salon, you may not want to start a brand new salon and buy a building all at the same time. Mm -hmm. it, it, it depends. If the deal's right, then great. But the idea here is. As a typical advantage, if you've been running a salon for a long time, you and I say long time, it could be a couple years, could be two years, could be five years, could be anything in that in that run. Uh, and then you go, look, we're paying rent to someone else. And the question is, I'm either paying off somebody else's building or I'm using my business to pay off my own building. Now, I, I want to say this because this is an important topic. Maybe some of you guys have heard this. Maybe some of you haven't. It's just worth saying in my mind is that. What you want to do when you purchase commercial real estate is you want to own the commercial real estate in a separate entity. Mm -hmm. I mean, look, Doug and I are not attorneys, but this is worth having this conversation about setting up and forming a, another entity that owns the building itself. And then think about this. You become your own landlord to yourself, right? So what ends up happening is you then can actually pay, uh, pay your real estate off by paying to another company. And I think that's a really big advantage. Now, Doug, you've mentioned a couple things here is that there's different ways to get into buildings, right? One, you can, and we haven't talked about this yet, but one is you can call up your existing landlord and say, hey, are you interested in selling? Would you ever consider selling this to me? I know if you're in a strip mall, maybe you gotta buy the whole dang thing, but if you're in an independent building, that owner may be at the point where they're like, you know what? It might be time for me to sell. I'm willing to get out of it. And then again, to your point, Doug, you either have an advantage where you can uh, you know, talk to the bank because money's relatively cheap and you can get a pretty good loan right now, or, it's possible that the owner might just go, you know what, I've been thinking about selling that building and I'd like to get out of it, but I'll carry the loan for you and I'll make this work. You've been a great tenant for the last five or 10 years. I know you pay the rent. I would happily, happily work with you on an option to buy out the building. Those are some pretty interesting options. Other other options you can think of, Doug? Uh, well, I mean, there's one is looking through, you got SBA loans that you can get. Um, 
not my favorite, but if that's the thing that gets you in, then that gets you in. I mean, it's like the idea, if you can roll over and what Jason said about owning the real estate separate, super important because whenever you start to sell your salon business, you're not, it's not attached to the real estate. So you can sell your, sell your salon business and it still would be paying you rent, uh, in the space and you would still have all that equity that would belong to you, uh, that, that no one else would be buying into. So very important that those two things are separated. Um, yeah. and you want to start looking really uh, about two years before your lease ends. If you can start really look, cause it's going to take you a while to do a build out, you know, cause you don't want to make a deal under pressure. Right. Uh, so, <laughs> So what I would say right now is like, so if you're getting closer into your lease or something, first thing I would do is pull out my lease, look at it, see what my options are. Can I go month to month? Um, you know, can I get a three month, six month extension, give myself some cushion room if I really want to start looking towards uh, buying a building. Now, if buying a building is completely off the table. You're like, there's no way I'm in debt up to my eyeballs. No one's going to give me any money or loan me any money. Uh, then, and you want to stay where you are right now is a good time to, negotiate that lease and ask because uh, it never hurts to ask if you don't ask you don't know but ask them if you're going to sign another five years or something uh what kind of what what are they going to give you what's because you if you'll look around there could be some people that would love to have you in their space because like i said there's just going to be a lot of um commercial brick and mortar that's available right. and you know, it, it, it's a good opportunity to start looking and finding what's out there. The biggest thing is sometimes people just go, well, my lease is up. I just need to go ahead and let them know and I'm going to renew. Right. Uh, so not, not necessarily the strongest way to renegotiate a lease. By the way, we got to take a quick commercial break. We're going to be back in 45 seconds. And then uh, we're going to talk about how do you get the best deal on a building? How do you find incredible deals? And then how do you make sure you leverage all of the things you need to, to negotiate the best lease? We'll be back in 45 seconds. So, I mean, this is the thing, Doug, is that, you know, we talk about how do we utilize this, you know, you said uh, all these brick and mortars that are, are suffering right now, these space are available. People are saying, you know, I'd rather work from home. We don't need this space. So there's more businesses that are becoming available. Let's give some tips out on like, how could you sit down with your property owner and really have an honest negotiation? Not like a, you know, like a bend them over backwards sort of, sort of negotiation, but like, how do you broach that subject of renegotiating your lease? Well, I mean, I think at the end of the day, you're both trying to get the best deal for each other. I right. mean, it's like, I think if you go in that way, say, look, you know, I would like to stay here, but I'm running the business. I've got options. So, but I've been here. I'd like to talk to you about what, what we could do to stay here. And you know, they're going, you know, hey, I need to make sure I've got some leases locked in. Right. Uh, because you know, if something goes wrong they don't want to be vacant let's be clear they don't want to be vacant for one two or three months and then potentially even longer like uh, one vacancy open just one month can can sometimes train wreck their entire year's worth of profit for having a month or two of a vacancy in your build in your building well the other, the other thing that can happen because most most real estate most commercial real estate's on a five-year balloon so every five years they've got to refinance that thing and if they go to the bank and only half that building's leased out. The bank's gonna go, no, we need much more down. And so now then that you know the value of the building has gone down, and they're look they don't have it rented out. Then they may not get the the bank may take the building back from them. So it's very important that they keep it leased out and keep their cash flow going. Mm -hmm. uh, and so you say, look, I'd love to partner and be part of that. So let's strategize together. And maybe there's a partial ownership position that you could take. True. Uh, That's and on that too. As, Always make sure you're looking for opportunities to partner with people. You know, maybe there's uh, someone that you know that you trust 
that you wouldn't mind being in business with. And I, I would just say, make sure you draw up real clear agreements, get good buy sell agreements. Um, and then say, look, you know, hey, they want to put some cash in, we put some cash in, both understanding that there's risk in everything. Uh, but if you're willing to, you also can can share in the reward. Uh, so I'm a big fan of, you know, partnerships to, to leverage. Um, the other thing I'd say right now is put as little cash down as possible. Totally. Because money is so cheap, meaning interest rates are so low right now. Uh, you know, keep keep as much cash as you can in your pocket so you can do other deals. Right. Because it, you know, Robert Kiyosaki talks about you know, that, that phantom income that starts happening because the property over time will appreciate while on your taxes you get to depreciate that property. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, and, and then your your company is paying off, is buying your building for you. And say, so, you know, once you start to really get that, once you get that property, you say, maybe I'll buy another property. It's right. just a good way to use your salon business to just start generating true wealth in some other areas. Uh, and then it, it starts to become exponential after a while. So yeah. I just, just don't want people to miss out on that opportunity, I guess is the biggest thing. I don't want, this is a prime opportunity to one, negotiate your lease, get in a better spot, or actually get into some property. And not, you don't want to be five years down the road go, oh man, you know, interest rates are- I wish I, I wish I would've taken advantage of it when it was there and I missed right. it, right? right. We, we are in, I mean, literally guys, this is a once in a lifetime, maybe, maybe if you're lucky, two or three times in a lifetime sort of situation. I mean, I don't know how many pandemics we're planning to have over the rest of my lifetime, but I hope it's not very many, right? And so when you when you look at it and go, okay, there's an opportunity for me to renegotiate my lease, that's that's first and foremost. But let's talk about how to find some deals here for a second, because Doug, this is, you know, I've gotten a lot of tips from not just from Kiyosaki, but from other people in real estate. And I'll kind of tell you guys some frameworks on that about how you might be able to find deals. Because I just, I, Doug, I talked to so many salons that are like, Jason, we can never find a building. We really like where we are. The only reason why we're successful is our location. I want you to be able to be successful beyond your location and be able to market and know what's going on no matter where you are and not just make it dependent on your existing location. Doug, you've moved around your salons multiple times and had to move from areas of town to other areas of town and move buildings and still been able to maintain success, right? Yeah, I mean, to a certain extent, the good thing about a hair salon, especially if you are an established hair salon, is people will pretty much walk over glass to get to you. So it's not as big of a deal as sometimes people make it. Right. Uh, as a, now, some, I will say this, too. you got to be careful. Sometimes be, if you're in a really good location, it will make you lazy in other areas of your business. Oh, yes, it will. Like advertising becomes a moot point because you're like, right. ah, we're fine. We have lots well, of- well, you're just getting this constant turnover and you're not really getting the retention that you deserve to have because other people are just coming in all the time. So you can get a little lazy there. So be careful about that. So uh, let- so, Let me drop this out here because I want to give you guys one quick tip. And then I see uh, there's a question that came in. We'll get to in just a second about how to get out of your lease. So stick around. I'll answer that for you. How do you get out of a lease? We'll talk about that because you got two years to go and you want to relocate. Let's talk about that. Uh, But for finding deals, one of the the big tips that I was given is don't just call one real estate agent and work with them forever until they find you a spot. I was advised a long time ago, and it's actually paying off for me at the moment, is to talk to lots of real estate agents, lots of commercial agents in your area, let them know what you're looking for. And especially in the early phases, like I had a lot of commercial agents when I talked to them, and I don't know if you experienced this, Doug, but they'll go, look, you're only gonna work with me, right? You're not gonna talk to any other agent. And I said, listen, like I'm looking for pocket deals and other deals that are out there. So if you have something that comes available, I'd be very interested in hearing from you. Now, what a pocket deal is, if you don't know, do me a favor. If you know what a pocket deal is, comment pocket deal. If you don't know, do me a favor and say don't know. But a pocket deal 
is basically like this this deal that I'm in right now. This guy called me up and he said, hey, this is, go is going on the market on Friday. They would like to just be done and over it and not have to show the building for the next 30, 60 days. Are you interested and are you ready to go to buy this building? And I, I've been looking at buildings. I know what buildings. I know exactly what I'm looking for. And sure enough, this building is exactly what I'm after. So I was able to offer them full price for this building. No issue. I'm good to go. And they will take it off the market before it even gets listed. So literally, I have zero competition with this building. I'm buying it at a fair price for me because I'm buying it long-term anyway. I'm buying it at a fair price. They don't have to parade people through it while they're trying to conduct their business. And it's just the deal will be done before the general market hears it. So if you just have one agent that you're working with and that agent doesn't hear about those quote pocket deals or those off-market deals, that'll really restrict you. So I've had conversations with three, four, five agents over the last couple of years. And one of those agents called me with this deal. Now, I, I don't think that that precludes you from working exclusively with one realtor and getting them to run you around because they, you know, they'll they'll help you out if they're working with you a little bit more in detail. But keep your options open. Just remember that you you may not get the best deal from only one person because sometimes, especially in commercial real estate, pocket deals like that happen very often where before they even get listed, they've already been sold. Yeah, I've I've uh, worked with three different real estate agents. Totally. I mean, it's like. It, yeah, you got to have those. the other important relationship to have is with your banker. Yeah, uh, you need to really get you know, especially if you're doing any kind of volume, you, know, you need to get in to have dinner with the vice president, the president of the bank. You know, build that relationship and let them know what you're looking for and what you're wanting to do because they're wanting to keep and grow more and more of your business. So if you're letting them, that's what because getting approved and getting things done is a lot easier when you have that relationship uh, than when you don't have that relationship. Yeah, Doug, you'd mentioned that before about about relationship with a banker, and it's interesting, right? Because we we were talking about um, I have relationships at big banks, right? So Bank of America, U.S. Bank, and I actually got a friend of mine who who is a, a vice president locally for a, a U.S. Bank, but I'm friends with him. I have had lunch and dinners, and like he's a friend of mine, and I get treated very differently when I work with him. I get all these special favors and exceptions and things they normally wouldn't do. They do for me over there. But Doug, you've also mentioned having a relationship with smaller banks and being one of the large accounts at a smaller bank because like look if if any of us are at bank of america we're just one of their normal clients no matter how big our business is right they're like we're right. bank of freaking america like we we bank for everybody but when you go to a smaller bank like a local bank or a credit union you might be a much bigger player to them and they're willing to give you things that they wouldn't typically do for other businesses because they're grateful to have your business versus Bank of America, you're just like, you got a barcode on your back and they scan you when you walk through the door. It's a very different experience. No bash on Bank of America. I'm just, look, I don't have any relation with anybody over there, so it doesn't really matter what I say at this point, right? Um, so I think part of it is, Doug, you said this. You know, I, I said multiple real estate agents. You said relationship with your bank. I love what you said. Go to dinner with the bank mm -hmm. president for crying out loud. Like that's yeah, a they, big deal. They need to know what you're wanting to do. So anytime they're promoting their, their social events, because they're going to host social events, especially for their VIP clients, yep. go and introduce yourself. And that's a good way to network inside the, the local business community too and let people know that you want to be a player, that you know you want to, you don't want to just be just this salon owner. You want to you grow and expand because if right. people know that, then when offers come up, they you you have someone's going to call you up and say, hey, I don't know if you knew about this. Or yeah. when they're that loan packages, they're going to put you through those loan packages much quicker. Um, right. So do you want to you want to hit this uh, one where? Yeah, let's like, get this question. Uh, can you put that up on the screen for us? Uh, the question is, how do I get out of a lease? You know, I, I have two years to go. 
uh, and she wants to figure out how to get out of this release to re to relocate. Doug, do you have some thoughts on that? And I'll weigh in on that too. Like, of what would you do? Because I, well, I can. I'm happy to weigh in first. What do you want to do, man? Well, I mean, there's a couple different things. I mean, if you're if you're wanting to get out right now, but what I'd say is, if you're two years out, you might want to use those two years to get set up to make the right deal and not move too quickly. Right. Um, yeah. So. That's the first thing I would say. If you've already found another place that you go and you know that it's a good fit for you and you know your timeline, uh, then you can start to negotiate with the, I mean, you got to look at your lease first of all and see what options there are. But if you're still inside the first part or, or renewal, uh, you're going to, you're, you're going to be on the hook for it. Now, if there's an option for you to find someone else that would take over the lease, yeah, uh, you know, that that's another thing. But I mean, it is a lease. It is a, it, it is an obligation. Binding contract. Yeah, I would say the biggest thing that I would say is if you don't really know where you want to go, you got an idea, use that two years to make a solid plan so that, you know, when it goes, the other one's ready to go and you move right from one to the other and there's no extension or anything like that. So two yeah. years is really kind of a sweet spot. Um, you know, so you might want to look if you can buy something in the next five months. Yeah. Uh, so and here, re rehab it. Here's what I would say is, is I've had to change and be out of a couple different types of leases over the last 10 to 15 years for other companies and other things. One of the things is anytime we had to break a lease, one of the best ways you can show up at the table to break a lease is with a person ready to take over your lease. It's either through subleasing, like that's a possibility. You can always say, look, I found somebody else who wants to take over my spot. And I got a phone call from somebody the other day who said, hey, Jason, do you know anybody who wants to take over a lease? Our salon is moving to another location. Everything is already built out. We'd like to leave everything. Who who do you know is looking for another location? And they were reaching out to me to find out if I knew other people in the area. I didn't at the time, but like you should go on the assault. Like literally, if you can, if you can sublease, you can put that, you can list it up on, you know, on Craigslist or on Facebook marketplace or like talk to other people in the community or find out if there's somebody, especially if you have a multi, you know, a space for like 10 people, there might be somebody who's renting a booth somewhere or renting a suite somewhere that is looking to expand and grow out. If you walk to that negotiation table and you say, hey, I would like to break my lease, but by the way, here's somebody to replace them, guess what? They're gonna be happy as hell. That 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 property management company or the owner is gonna be like, oh, okay, great, we're just gonna swap out these leases. Because here's the other thing. The idea of a lease is that you're supposed to be locking in a rate that is lower right. than what it should be in the future. So if you've locked in a good deal on your lease for somebody to take over, because think about this, when your lease is up, typically they're gonna try and rent it out. Like I've been in my space, like I said, for whatever it's been, like six, seven, eight years, whatever it's been. And our rate is so low. Every time I go to renegotiate the lease, they're always like, Jason, we can run out your place for way more than what you're paying for it. So I can't really negotiate my lease very well because they're ready to boot me out in a moment's notice. But what I did was I signed a lease. I just signed a one-year lease and I'm looking at breaking that lease. But what I can do is I can go to them and say, look, you said you're ready to rent this out for way more than what you can rent it to me for, what, than what I'm signing this deal. So I'd like to take you up on that, <laughs> right? Is I would like to take you up on that and can we figure something out so that you have time to advertise it and it can let me out? Maybe what they'll do is go, well, look, we'll put your building up for sale or we'll put your building not up for sale, but up for release. And if, if you wanna break your two year lease, what they can do is they can relist it and maybe in the next 30, 60 or 90 days, they can find somebody to replace you for a higher dollar amount. So opening that line of communication with your property management company or specifically with the owner and just being able to say, look, like I, you know, if you really are trying to get out of it and you've already got a spot you want to go, just saying like, look, I would like to figure out how to do this. I, and don't go in and say, I'm out of here. I'm breaking my lease. Screw you. I'm just gone. Go in and say, look, I know I'm obligated for the next two years. 
I'd like to work with you. Can you start looking for somebody? I will start looking for somebody to make sure this lease gets taken over. I'd like to find somebody at the same rate that I'm at and potentially be able to sublease or have them take over my lease. Or if you want to advertise it and get it out, leased out for more, be my guest and maybe they can do that. And that's a great way to go into that conversation about getting out of a lease rather than just saying like, you know, what most people do is like, Jason, how do I break my lease and tell them to go screw themselves? Like, that's not what we're talking about. It's you want to work a win-win out and just trust me, just karmically, you know, in general, in your life, if you, if you break, if you break agreements for other people, guess what? Other people are going to break agreements from you. That's kind of what you're sending out to the universe or to, you know, however you choose to look at that. And I think it's a really, really important thing. I hope that's helpful for you. Um, I, I just want to make sure that's good. If that, if that's helpful for any of you guys, do me a favor and just comment in the live stream and just say helpful. Even if you're watching on replay, just say helpful because we really wanted to give you some framework on, look, leases are legal agreements. So are buying buildings. There's an advantage for both. I would say being in a lease gets you into a cool spot that you might not be able to afford to be in. But the second you can afford to be in a spot, I strongly recommend it just kind of in closing in this thing today is I strongly recommend you looking for a building. I've been on the hunt for three years to find a building. Doug, I know you own several buildings and, and you, you're constantly looking for buildings, right? Oh yeah, you're always looking for, for opportunities. I just say one other thing is like, remember the people on both sides of the equation are business owners. So you yeah, need to treat them said. as a business owner. They're not evil. They're not trying to take advantage of you. Yeah, you know, totally. Treat them the same way you would want people to treat you as a business owner. Yeah. And then you're going to go to the table and get real deals and everybody's going to feel good about it. Uh, so it's like, you know, it's two people solving each other's problems. On both sides. Any, any business deal is problems being solved. And you just got to negotiate where's that sweet spot. Can we find it or can we not? If we can't, no harm, no foul. If we can, awesome. Good for both of us. Totally. So I hope this has been a great podcast for you guys. Uh, do me a favor, comment. What's the most helpful thing that you received from today? What was it? Was it about renegotiating your lease? Was it about finding a building? Was it about pocket deals? What were some of the things that stood out to you today that were helpful? And the last, the last piece I'll leave you with is this. The reason why I got that pocket deal is literally because of Facebook. So uh, thank you, Zuckerberg, for giving me at least something besides horrible uh, political commentary and all the things that are going on right now. I'm super grateful that social media gave me the leverage to maintain a relationship with a real estate agent for years and years that I've not talked to who called me with a real estate deal. So just don't ever underestimate the power of holding relationships over a long period of time, which I, again, I really think Facebook, Instagram, and all those tools will help you to do. Thanks for joining us on the podcast today. I hope you learned something. If you did, do me a favor, share this podcast, tag a friend in it that you know is trying to figure out and understanding more about uh, buildings and property. And hey, I saw Ron McKenzie said, I love talking about growth. I know Ron, Ron's always on the game for like another building, another spot, some more real estate to grow uh, what they're doing down in Kansas City. So thanks for joining us today, Ron. Doug, thanks for thanks for being on today and, and holding it down. Yep, good to be here, man. All right, guys, take care. Thanks for listening to the Evo Revo podcast. If you liked today's episode, please subscribe, leave us a review, and you can always get more information, including show notes and the video episodes at evorevopodcast.com.